Welcome to the Through Our Eyes podcast. Um, this is uh, uh, our third one. Mm-hmm. I think it's our third, third one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With our hosts, the absolutely wonderful and lovely Radiant Arthramus. Thank you very much. And and me. <laughs> <laughs> and the equally radiant and fantastic Drakthonia. <laughs> um, today we have a very special, special guest with us today. We have Dr. K. Ross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Kay. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Doing well. Busy, busy few weeks, but I'm very glad to be here. How are you two mm. doing? Not too bad, not too bad. I we do have cats both next to us, which is excellent. Yes, I mean as cats is, do make required. everything better. Mm. Yes, uh, so right. People are loving the fox that you have in your uh, mm-hmm. in your setup. It is a, it is a nice setup. <laughs> so yes, but yes, yes. definitely definitely feeling the tiredness. But <laughs> I think yeah. that's a shared shared thing right now. What is sleepiness? <laughs> but yes, so it's it's been one of those weeks by the sounds of it, but um at least at least we get to have this lovely chat and hopefully uh, uh share a some insight into uh, an interesting story with uh the wonderful chat today. Mm. So, um the aim of the Through Our Eyes podcast is to highlight the stories of marginalized creators, um, maybe uh, give some education and also to raise awareness of um, the various issues and uh, dilemmas that uh, marginalized people uh, face day to day. So... Kate, would you like to introduce yourself, your content, your uh, aim in life, (laughs) (laughs) your favourite colour? Please just give us your entire wiki page. That would be handy. Oh, God. What might exist out there? I've not checked. I've not Googled myself. (laughs) Who knows what they've written. So, yes. Hello. My name is Kate. I will type in the chat as well. Then you get to see my username. (laughs) <laughs> I go by Dr. K. Ross here on Twitter and on Twitch, and also known as Dr. K, but that's mostly from my work as a video game programmer. But by evening and in my spare time, whenever I can, I'd love to do a bit of streaming to hang out old games or new, maybe a little bit of art, sometimes a watch party. But the important thing is always just a nice laid-back, comfortable, warm, chatting environment as we're doing it. Nice and laid-back. That's, that's what I like to do, and that's what I love about streaming. Uh, and I'm very, very uh, happy to be here. Thank you for hosting. Thank you for being here. So where does the doctor part of your name come from, for anyone who may not know? That comes from a PhD. <gasps> I was a physicist. You don't have a PhD! I for anyone do. who doesn't know, that's not me mocking Kay. That's a, a ninja sex party reference, but still... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. And before I 
went into video game programming, I was a physicist and did a little bit of work at Fermilab over in the US, big particle accelerator site. But no, I, I gave away that glitz and the, and the glamour and the private jets and all Sorry. of that to go make video games. <laughs> Sorry, the scientist in me just couldn't resist bursting into giggles. <laughs> the glitz and glamour of science, yes. <laughs> Glitz and glamour of particle physics. <laughs> it was a very, very fun few years of working in a shack in the middle of prairie land surrounded by mice and <laughs> them leaving their leavings all over the work machines and yeah, very glamorous. Excellent. So not much has changed then? <laughs> well, well. Less mice. Less mice, a lot more crows in, in well. Not doxing myself, it's common knowledge I work around Cambridge. There's a lot more crows in Cambridge than mice I've seen. <laughs> True. Maybe because there are so many... That's beside the point. <laughs> so is your um, uh, reason for streaming for um, pure enjoyment or do you have a general aim that you wish to achieve in your content? Hmm. So it started off as um, an excuse for getting me social again, keeping in touch with people, especially with um, how things turned out around this time last year. <laughs> uh, and it was just going to be, I'll do something occasionally, see how it goes, stay in touch with friends I already know, but it's grown. It's snowballed. It's become more and more. And the book has bitten. I would like to see how far it can go. However, mm. in terms of final goals, which I wish to go to, I'm afraid I can't answer that because I don't know if anyone from my Daytime job is listening, so let's pretend <laughs> there's no conflict. <laughs> there, there are there are there are ideas, but not necessarily plans. I guess then passion. Indeed, indeed. If if I can hang out with more people, the better. If um, whilst hanging out with people, I can you know, talk about some of my experiences, maybe even teach a little bit about physics as we go. As we go, that's fantastic. I always wanted to do a little bit of teach you physics videos. Just not sneaking physics yet. into everyone's oh, lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that K coming around here, giving us physics lessons. <laughs> Surreptitious teaching. Oh no, you mean sneak learn. <laughs> oh dear. Right. So, today... Uh, what is it that uh, you are wanting to talk about? That is a good question. So when the call came around to fill in the questionnaire to be on this show, uh, I barely remember doing it. It was right when we were doing the first Through Our Eyes stream. And I think I put down <clears throat> life and issues as a trans femme or trans woman and medical transition and turning my life around. So that, that's a very long title. That's a lot of material to go with, a very wide thing. So I guess I'm here to meander around those topics <laughs> um, for a few reasons, I think. So over the years, I mean, I've always been visibly and openly trans in the public eye with my work and then with streaming. And some people have got back in touch with me afterwards saying, that was very helpful. I didn't know that or that was very helpful. I've been dealing with things internally for a while and... That's, that's given me a little hope to go forward. Not to sound all big in me boots and all of that, but if I can help people just by chatting about 
stuff I've gone through, then I'm very, very happy and looking forward to do so. And not because I know secrets and whatnot, it's because the general processes, the general topic, the subject isn't widely talked about accurately. Um, when I was at school, it certainly was not talked about at all. What most people I talk to who don't know anything about it just assume things like, oh, it's like Little Britain, I'm a lady, and Mrs. Outfire, and it's all pretend and drag, isn't it? And I was like, no, 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 no. So that's why I'm here to talk about it publicly, to answer questions and to chat about stuff. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it does. That was, that was a very comprehensive answer. I'm <laughs> um, massively impressed that you uh, managed to keep uh, the train of thought with that. Because uh... right. I think I think in the exhaustion, Jack and I took a, a, a momentary nap and then woke up like we're still on topic. Oh my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're both just kind of like, wow. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, we're just gonna go we're just gonna you can do this it's yeah. fine see you later <laughs> see you in a couple of hours but no, that, was, that, was, that was a fantastic yeah. answer so we're here today to really talk about the you know your trans experience and trying to i guess erase some of the stigmas and some of the i guess some of the 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 ideas that have come out mostly through pop culture as you say like Mrs. Doubtfire and uh, misconceptions through, you know, and yeah, misconceptions and uh, misunderstandings, whether that's through ignorance or just through lack of information being available, you know, easily. Mm -hmm. So basically, where we start is um, you giving us a lowdown of your story. What was your journey? What challenges did you face? And uh, how did uh, you get to where you are now? Sure thing. I will. Start talking. I would likely start meandering. Feel free to guide me back or bring up questions or just snap your fingers or something at me if I start going off on one. It's all good. Will do. Before I do start, there is something I do wish to emphasize is that there are a lot of aspects and a lot of different ways and um, a lot of different types of trans out there. And my story is my story. It doesn't automatically apply to every trans person out there. Uh, my experiences are not going to be the same as uh, various non-binary people, as trans men, all sorts. The, there's a wide range of experiences and I am not the empress of them all. <laughs> so I am representing just myself here, but hopefully that is still helpful. Mm. Okie dokie, let me scroll down my notes I wrote just before we started. <clears throat> Even further down. So, my story begins quite a long time ago. In that, it, I was around the age of five or six when I first knew something wasn't right. I wasn't feeling right. The, the expectations of what I was supposed to be and become were not sitting right. I didn't have the language to really express that or anything, but I did tell my parents, I don't like this. I want to be a girl. And their response was so frantic, so energetic and so scary uh, that it had a major impact across my life. And I guess apart from that was they, they didn't know how to handle it. They, they were scared about all sorts of other stuff. This was the 90s as well when I, when I mentioned it. 
and you know, things were not as open as and, and accepted in the 90s. And uh, you know, they're saying things like, oh, demanding to know if it was something the school had got me to say, had the, had the school influenced me. And this was very serious. And this is terrifying to a five or six-year-old. Terrifying. Mm. And so associated those thoughts and me saying that with a serious amount of shame and, uh, yeah, self-hatred self is what it became. And, yeah, whenever I thought about it, those same feelings. And so it gets suppressed. It gets repressed. And I spend the next... 20, 25 years with that building, You're building walls around yourself as a way of coping with, you know, something's not right, but you just told to just get up and get on with it. This is life and uh, can't really do anything about it. All of that is too embarrassing or it is just not right. And it's just going to upset people. And at least in my part, when I was younger, I thought, oh, yeah, I can manage it. This is entirely manageable. Let's just keep on plodding through life. I will get through school. I will get through university. I will get through work. And only so long you can keep that up. Only so long. And the self-hatred grows. You forget the reason why for it. Um, when the rapid goals in earlier life start to slow down and become further and further apart, you'll have more time to self-reflect and, you know, that became a problem area. So that's a very, very long way. And that's a lot of words for me to say, I didn't do anything about it until I turned 30. <laughs> I just aged myself a little bit there. <laughs> but because of all of that time and all of that repression, it did take a therapist's help to well, figure out and remember where it was coming from in the first place. And then I had that moment. Now it's, it's a bit of a trope of a moment, especially in trans circles of forgive the grimness of it, transition or die. Those were my two options at that point. And there wasn't the option of continuing and suppressing and pretending anymore. I had to do something about it. And, uh, and do do the cool, that's very kind of you. Keeping an eye on the chat. Flattery <laughs> <laughs> will get you many places. Um, so where was I? Yes, yeah, 30s. So, but the thing is, I didn't know immediately there and then exactly what it is I needed to do or what the end target should be or what needed to change. It's not like everyone has to know fully exactly what they are, how they are, who they are. It is a, cheesy as it sounds, a journey of self-exploration and self-discovery. Got to give it time. And it's not a case of, oh, you're just not trans enough if you don't know, if you haven't always known. You just need to give yourself that self-reflection. And I think that can go for not, not just trans issues, but for everything. Always take a bit of time to look introspectively on yourself. Ask who you are, who you are, where you're going, for what purpose. And yeah, that, that took a good while, a good while. And where shall I go with this next? <laughs> I mean... And in my case, the things which were upsetting for me mostly were on the physical side. This isn't the same for all trans people. There's various types of transition. There's social transition. There's medical transition. Uh, Would you other ones like to um, clarify for, for chat the difference between uh, social and, and medical? Uh, of course into because i know that like it is people haven't actually heard 
of it mm -hmm. referred to in that sense. Mm. A great point. So it could be that for some people living socially in our society, in a way which has been predetermined for them by how they were assigned at birth doesn't fit. It's, it's a social thing, it's how they want to interact with other people themselves and society itself. And that can be through how they present themselves in motion or in um, image, it can be clothing, it can be, it, there's the, ooh, I don't want to do everything a disservice. And so <laughs> that's why I'll go mm, in, mm, 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 in the bed. I don't want to say, oh, the girly girls and, and, and the boy boys for like too extreme at the ends. That's how, how, how they act, how they want to be perceived and present themselves. And yes, clothing, music, socialness, social interactions, how they speak to others and how they're treated by society. Myself, that was, that, that is an aspect, but not the main strong aspect, which was, um, uh, driving what I needed to change. That was more on the medical side. So I'm going to speak, I'm going to, I'm going to mention something horrific and gory, and I want to put out a warning first. I was reading a new story, something entirely unrelated about the dangers of um, uh, people who do the oil drilling for, for a living and, and the types of horrendous dangers they go through and, and descriptions of I don't want to go into too much details, it's horrible, but uh, of a person who ended up with their arm caught in a drill and wrapped around it three times. <laughs> and you're thinking that there, it's stomach churning, that's gross, you, f you feel a knot. And um, many people do that, that's, that's body horror. In films um, with body horror in it, it's trying to elicit that same feeling. That's similar to what I had looking at my shoulders, my chest. Um, my face at the time, and yes, so to talk about it down there as well. Then. Exactly, exactly. So um, that was even diagnosed with dysmorphia by um, my therapist as well. That, that's where I started out. That's that's what I ended up with, with all the repression, and, um, and then growing up with the body changing in a way which isn't right, and that's. I needed to get this corrected for me to start feeling like myself and then for me to start partaking in society again on that social transition side. So that, that was where the, my, my first part, my main aim of, of getting sorted, that's where it came from. Does that make sense? That that, I, I, just that phrase of my, bo my body changing in the way it shouldn't is so... I mean, I, I feel like that is so like representative of it. It's like it, it, there's always these misconceptions about how uh, um, uh, uh, trans people come to discover they are trans, and it's like that seems to me to be a very, very nice way of of, of summing it up. Thank you. Though um, again, to emphasise. This Obviously. isn't true for all yeah. trans people, yeah. but for me, it's everyone's was. got a different journey. Mm. So, but what to do about it? I guess so. That is, the, I guess, part of why I'm here is to talk about the these stages I've gone through, these steps I've gone through, and um, I guess to make it known what folks like me go through. 
I'm sure there's a better grammatical way of me saying that, but it's too late now. We're doing it live. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 um, I'll start with the hair. I, I had, this is not saying that women have to shave their legs in order to be ladylike. Otherwise, it's totally not right now. Not at all. Everyone express themselves however they feel best, but I had to get rid of hair. And unfortunately, due to testosterone poisoning, I had a lot of it. So this is, I'm just jumping, jumping straight into personal stuff. Um, raise your questions as if, I go, raise your objections as I go. If you are comfortable, then we're here to listen to it because it's, to me, that is where education and understanding come from. Yeah, you can't beat around the bush with education, otherwise you end up with more questions than you started with. Mm -hmm. So where a lot of folks like myself start is, you know, get the razor, get rid of all the stuff, and oh, that's wonderful. Oh, it's on the last of the day. Why is all the hair come back? That's horrible. I need to do it again. It's all itchy. So there's various options that one can take. I went the way with epilation. Hands up if you know what epilation is in the chat. No, I won't, won't wait for that. It's, <laughs> it's a little machine. It's pulls your hair out, pulls your hair out in a machine-like way. And no, that's a little painful, but yes, you do get used to it over time and it lasts about a week. I do wish to raise that the first time you use an epilator on your hair, it will hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's bad enough on the legs, on your chest and on your tummy and on your collarbones. It is barely standable. Now, I used to do various martial arts and whatnot. My tolerance for pain isn't too bad, but that took hours. That took a lot of hours. And uh, I'm mostly saying that so you can go, oh, yes, those people who've gone through that, they're dedicated. They're not just doing it for funsies. It takes willpower to do it. And uh, I salute everyone who's had to go through it. I know it's not nice. So... No, but there we go. That's something you can do at home. That's something you can do. That's nice and it's like a, 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 a small, like a small version of a of multiple tweezers all at once. Yes. And, <laughs> and if you imagine having to tweeze every hair, <laughs> hmm. that's how dedicated it is. Now the reason I'm starting there. Seemingly a weird place to start is well. I started. I started off doing small things that I think people at work or people around me won't notice. It's something I can do hidden. I wanted to control the speed at which I transitioned, and that the information got out because it's a very vulnerable time. It's um, one might expect. Oh, yeah, I know this now. I'm just going to shout it from the rooftops, and everything's fine. No, there's a lot of societal pressure. One, to conform, two, to be who you always were, not to rock the boat. Um, yeah, three, not to get outside of the lane of the normal, and I hate the word normal. Um, so yeah, that, that's starting small, but that was the first time I also experienced gender euphoria. Now, you'll often hear the phrase uh, dysphoria as a general and malingering sense of malaise i think they describe it as and it's yeah you know something's wrong something's horrible something doesn't feel right if you live with that for years and you suddenly remove a source of it you feel for a time the the meter swung the other way the euphoria it feels 
amazing, like a, a huge weight lifted off your shoulders for a short time. So that was great. Uh, and that's that's kind of where it started, but yeah, you can only get so far from moving one's hair. Uh, I did need to change various other things. So where did I go next? That's a good idea. This is me trying to think as I'm speaking and add a little bit at the same time. I guess um, the the biggest impacts one will get for medical transition, for physical transition like that, would be hormone therapy and surgeries. And I've had both, and I'll chat about what that is, how that is, and how I got there, if we like. How are we doing for time? Oh, and you're doing... way ahead of time. <laughs> Fantastically ahead of time. <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got plenty of time so don't don't feel pressured i i will let you know if if we get any closer to needing mm -hmm. to speed up so go for it so i was very very fortunate to know that i had a friend who had gone through similar processes from a similar point of view she had um good luck with the nhs gic and of course the first thing I was going to do after therapy was go to the GP and try to get on the waiting list for that. Uh, so that's that's where the difficulties in getting progress started, is with the GP. Now, GPs are not trained in every matter to the full extent of what they can be, and GPs can have personal biases. And not just with... Um, trans issues with any issues sometimes they can take a lot of uh, convincing that you need a little bit of help yes. and this was no difference so there's me and at the time I was not as confident as I am now at the time I thought can I really do this I am an insult to the very um notion of womanhood I am. Look at me, just look at me. I am an insult to it. How can I speak to this GP about that? So it's terrifying. It is very difficult to bring up, especially when they then sit there and say they don't believe you and then say they don't know how to go about a referral. And so you have to then go and train the GP how to write a referral. Go do it yourself and just hope they actually post it. Mine took three yeah. months to post and after that. So the first bit of advice I'd give on this long and meandering talk tonight is if you're in the position I was in, your options for GPs are varied, hopefully. Ask about for a GP who knows about trans issues in your area and see if you can get them to help. It might save you a little bit of strife. It's, it is a, a bit of legwork and it shouldn't have to be done, but that is some advice I would give. So to quickly jump in, just before we carry on, for anyone who may not be from the UK, uh, a GP is your general practitioner, uh, practitioner. So that's your local doctor. That's the person you, you go to to start accessing other medical services. Mm -hmm. So that, that will be your first port of call. You try and go anywhere else. They're like, well, have you seen this one specific person who lives in your hometown? And then you have to go to them first. <laughs> and also remember that you are not stuck with the GP that you are assigned, you can move through any of the ones that are in your practice, you can move practices. At any point, you are allowed to change and look for another GP. So do not feel like you have to stick with the one that you need, uh, you think you need uh, have been assigned because it's not the case at all. 
Yes, we, we've discussed this on previous episodes about being your own advocate because obviously, um, although it's not exactly the same as Kay's journey, going to ask for, you know, information and help with trans issues and, you know, actually progressing down that path. I know Drac and I have both experienced having to train the doctor when it comes to chronic illness and things like that. So I would always say... Let's and not I, even get I, into uh, my experience today. Let's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that later. But I mean, if if this does, if this was sort of similar for what you'd recommend, Kay, that would be handy to know as well. But uh, I'd always say try and write things down as you experience them. Uh, you know, if if you are feeling a certain way or you have had a certain thought pattern, it's something that you want to make sure you mention. Write it down. Write down when it happened and actually take a list with you because it can be much easier to get them to refer you if you have a backlog and a history rather than them saying, oh, this is the first time you've come in. We'll have to wait three months. Cool. And thank you both. And I've just seen the Gamer Dude's question. About oh, what I, is we'll the, collect sorry, questions from chat. We'll collect questions. We'll collect okay. questions from chat. Don't, don't. Fantastic. Continue with your story before we get sidetracked. <laughs> exactly. And I just want to say hi, Ellie, who's popped in as well, who could probably do this um, 5,000 times better than I could, but you're stuck with me. Okay, we don't have anyone putting themselves down on the podcast. That's mine and Drax's job. <laughs> um, no, and of course, Ellie's um, experiences and uh, their life is... A totally different story, but I don't even know where I'm going off on this uh, tangent other than to invite Ellie, if they feel welcome, to put a thing, exclamation point, pod something. Pod app. Pod app, if pod you so wish. To, if you would like <clears throat> to um, be featured on the podcast and tell us about your journey, um, please submit your uh, entry into that form and uh, I will contact you for... <clears throat> dates and times and whatevers so that you we can get you on to talk about it thank you and uh, yes just to put you on the spot there and uh again that that is part of my response my um ever-present need to say i am not the empress of these issues and my experiences are specific to my particular run through of this game yes um Poor phrasing, perhaps, but no, I love it. I kind of like that. That's, that's, yeah, I do like it as well. Actually. I mean, like, that's, that's always a good Im imagery for life, isn't it? <laughs> well, actually, very much like a video game tree, though. Certain people are going to have picked the same options that you have throughout your life, Kay, and they may diverge at different points, but it's still going to be it's all a, it's, it's, a it's similar. Yeah. They've got a bit of a cheat guide on what options to take, maybe, yeah. to advance to this next step they haven't quite worked out yet. <laughs> I like the idea that we're. <laughs> We're trying to provide some semblance of walkthroughs to a various situations that maybe you can take a bit from. Mm -hmm. So as I align myself back onto the train tracks and off we go again, um, and just being to the GP, I had the um, b -b 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 referral, that's the word, sent off. Now in the UK, in the UK, if you get referred to a GIC and believe the current procedure is in three to six months, you'll get an invitation to go down there uh, to listen to a series of talks about what they offer, what they do, what you can expect, and all of the different options. And it was interesting going there, nervous, I was there by myself. 
But that's the last time I heard from them, and that was in 2017. So as a, a bit of a spoiler for this story, the NHS DIC has not really done anything for me. And to clarify, GIC stands for? Oh, good Lord. Um... <laughs> it wasn't meant to be a pop quiz. Was it Gender Identity Clinic? Or... It is, it is, yes. it is, it is. I was getting stuck because my brain was stuck on the word gendered intelligence, which is a uh, Twitter <laughs> account. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Quick shout out there. On we go. Yeah. Um, anyway, 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 anyway. So they're, they're, they're very oversubscribed. They're understaffed, underfunded. The government keeps trying to, and, and, the, and the courts in this country keep trying to interfere with them. And also, from my point of view, my opinion and whatnot, a lot of their practices are based around slowing down treatment, um, gatekeeping. So it can take a while to get through them, especially with the waiting lists. <clears throat> so this is in opposition to other places, other countries, say, which have um, uh, informed consent, where you go somewhere which might offer uh, treatments, you read a, a thing, sign a form saying, I know what I'm doing, off you go, you can do stuff. Over here, if you're doing it via the NHS, the Public Health Service, you can be waiting for five years on that. And yeah. But that's not where the story ended, of course. Um, what's on the waiting list, what many people did back then, is um, so I'm seeing some repeated questions. So if you want to just repeat track that will be collated in, in the end is that right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll get yeah. to those after the ones we've already got written down i was down just trying to sort out the string boarding questions fantastic yeah. got it um right so uh had that high vein at uh, the first time um of course i wasn't dressing how i wanted to dress I, I didn't do any of the social transition i was there just trying to get by I wasn't even out at work at the time, I don't believe. Nope. And so all of that time, you're having to hear yourself referred to in ways which make you feel uncomfortable, which remind you of those aspects which make you feel unwell and down, and it's always getting pressed in. There was that time, that first six months to a year, where once the issues, my issues had been identified, <clears throat> What I mostly did was highlight all of the areas where the negative aspects were coming from. So instead of ignoring, you know, oh, yes, yes, that person has called me sir and him and is acting like a buddy, buddy, bro dude and expecting me to be the same. And it's making me feel even worse. And I'm not just ignoring it and being the robot, which I pretended to be. It's just making me feel worse. It's um, reinforcing that I am the thing which I felt was gross for me to be. So yeah, that, that was a difficult six months to a year. Uh, but uh, in terms of the medical side and going forward, whilst on the waiting list for the GIC, I did go private. Not everyone can do it. It is um, monetarily prohibitive to many. I was very privileged to be able to afford to do so. <laughs> Now, the, the first appointment you'll have to go to is a psychiatrist, where you've got an hour or so to convince them that you are trans enough in the correct way before they will allow you to have a referral to an endocrinologist. And these psychologists, again, your mileage may vary depending on where you go. 
There's some who are uh, understanding. There's some who are very much into the gender binary thing, and you might have trouble if you are non-binary. If you were to ask what non-binary is, it's a whole swathe of many things that it can be, but it is. You are not either 100% I am in the male or I am in the female category. You can be outside of those things, between those things. You can, can be all gender all fluid. And, yeah. yep, all over, all sorts of different things. And some of the psychiatrists are not as forgiving uh, of not being in that binary because I think of some of the adherence to old guidelines which were written before non-binary folks were accepted as much in, in the field. Lots, lots of doom and gloom and frustration in this chat. I know, I know, I know. It's not all bad. It's, if it's lived experience, though, it's important to highlight because if other trans people are listening, hopefully... It, I think it's like reading a, a good novel in a, in a strange way. Let me get through the entire point. But you know that you your lived experience isn't always going to be sunshine and rainbows and there are parts which are going to suck and while that's not good and while that shouldn't be the case the fact knowing that at least for you you know there appears to be a light at the end and that it was worth going through and understanding what hurdles may be there and not having to run into them headfirst on your own hopefully <laughs> that does make it a bit less difficult for others to deal with although of course you've had to still go through it yourself exactly exactly and what i would always emphasize is the like with the hair removal the pain is temporary the benefits are real keep pushing through you can do it sorry my my cat's being rather inappropriate i'm just um <laughs> <laughs> i tried tapping her and she wouldn't do she wouldn't leave so um <laughs> So sorry, Kate. Okay. Oh, oh, now she's attacking me. Stop that. But um, the psychiatrist I did go to was lovely, kind, understanding, and helped me. Their, their job, in a way, is to help you sort out and know what it is you're asking for before they can advise or sign off on you doing it. It is, in many ways, gatekeeping still. And I would very much prefer there to be an informed consent system in this country, like there is in the US, I believe in Canada, parts of Europe. Um, but here, you've got to pay the fee for a psychiatrist and wait in the line, and then they'll confirm or not if, if, if they will let you do a thing. Okay. Then comes the blood tests. And I'm afraid if um, you're going on to HRT, you're going to be doing a lot of blood tests. So. It could be every three or every six months, usually. Um, some of them will just be the single vial for hormone levels. Some of them will be multiple ones for your liver function and all sorts of other stuff to make sure things are still working okay. And why so, is that? Just right. to be open about why they're doing those tests? Of course. So before you get... Before you see the endocrinologist, or you think even before you see the psychiatrist now, <clears throat> you, you get a, a full suite of blood tests to send to them. And they, from the hormone levels, because you're usually going in for HRT, which I'll describe a little bit, um, a little further on. But they are um, 
that that's replace hormone replacement therapy for your sex hormones. So you've got estradiol, you've got testosterone. Um, but those are your main ones. There's all subcategories, different types. Those are the two main. And you'll have those to start with. So you know, oh, those are your T levels. Those are your E levels. And which ones you need to go up, which ones you need to go down, depending on what your aim is, what you're trying to get out of it. And they'll test that to make sure it is, not word again, normal, in normal range. It's a weird thing medically and scientifically because humans don't come out of a factory. We're all put together slightly different. And um, we might not all work or respond to medications in exactly the same way. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that people have treated a human as a single model from the factory. It doesn't work like that. So they will take those sex hormone levels and they will monitor them routinely to see what the medication is doing. Now, the other stuff regarding liver function and insulin and all, I forget exactly what's on it, but it is one looking for underlying health conditions, which might cause them to hesitate helping you. But also, um, some of the medication you can take can um, stress the liver out a little bit, and they want to keep an eye on that. Now, that's not to be scary that, oh, no, this is doing damage. It's just you've got to keep an eye on it just in case. Depends how your liver's taking to the tablets, if, if you're on the tablets, that is. Well, the blood tests are easy to do. You just go in, you sit down, they poke a thing in your arm, away they go. It is, of course, going to be more difficult if you don't like needles, but... You get used I to them after a while. Advice. You do get used to them. <laughs> yeah. As someone who has had a phobia of needles, eventually you do get used to them. The more that the doctors poke you. <laughs> you can also let, you know, most phlebotomists, so people that work with blood, are aware that people don't like needles and you can ask for different kinds of needles. Some of them are called butterfly, which are slightly slightly easier to to use and actually sit against the skin uh, and you can also ask them you know to you know just keep talking there are lots of ways to get through blood tests if you are not a huge fan of them but as Kay says if they're every three to six months you do get used to them mm -hmm. they're still not fun but they ain't scary any longer yep. so um it was <clears throat> august 2018 just before my birthday, I first started HRT, which is a huge milestone for a lot of people in my kind of situation. Because HRT is in many ways, or can in many ways be magic. Not actual magic, it's just the, the fun way of saying that the uh, response to them <clears throat> can be life-changing. It can change things be far, far beyond what one might expect, what one might hope. But I've got to be clear, that's not to say that that will definitely happen and it's the same for everyone. It's unfortunately very much uh, your mileage may vary as to what happens when you start this medication. Uh, so in my case, uh, previously being driven my bodily testosterone going on to a estrogen-based sex hormone blood system. Words, things that one might expect would be 
breast growth and fat repositioning around the body and the face, uh, you might you might end up shrinking a little bit. And that's um, mostly, I believe, due to connective tissues, especially along the spine, just shrinking a little bit. Uh, you might experience uh, one's muscle mass or muscle density to be a little less than what it was before. Alande, can hear some mic problems. Is, is it on my side again? It was misbehaving yeah, your mic's the other day. crackling. Yeah, I believe it's your audio input. Oh, your um, card again. Thank you. Darn your audio card. Also, um, Sai, can you keep a, an eye on the uh, stream health? So it was dropping frames and had to overload for a second there. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah. Is it better? Won't know until we've spoken for yeah, a moment. You need to speak a bit but, more. But uh, we, we can let you know shortly. Yes, I've just power cycled the thing and hopefully mm. it's recovered a little bit. Is this focus right solo um, thingy? Anywho, 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 yes, the effects of taking estrogen. Uh, yes, it is the feminization um, drug, but it's not like a, an illicit thing. It's not. Um, Weird chemicals baked up in a factory, breaking bad style. You know, the, the tablets they will usually get you to start on, uh, they usually um, uh, prescribe to uh, regular cis women with just hormone imbalances. It's just a little two milligram tablet of estradiol. And it's these ones which you ingest and, of course, get digested. Where the impact of the liver might happen, so that's why you're having those liver tests on those. And they'll start you off another very low dose, very low, but um, it's still enough to start feeling stuff. You can you can feel maybe a little tired to start with the first few weeks, um, but you soon get over it. There can be a big change to one's mood. Now it's an anecdotal thing. I don't know how much. Um, I don't want to say truth. I don't want to know. How, I don't know how much weight is behind it. But one of the anecdotal ways of describing it, which has been used, is that some folks have brains which work better on testosterone. Some people have brains which work better on estrogen. And if yours works better on estrogen, but it's been fed testosterone all its life, the feelings are a bit icky and worse than what they would be. Switching to estrogen, things work better. The mood can improve so much. And it's not to say it's just um, take it in your in your stoned and all of that. No, no, no. It's it's just a difference in your brain chemistry, and then you're getting used to it, and it is fantastic and was great. However, I didn't feel all the benefits personally until I went on to the other um, HRT medication I was on, and they did a testosterone blocker. And in this country, you will have something called Zolodex or I forget the name of the other one, but they're implants and you have them in your tummy. There we go. And they alternate them on each side every three months. And it's like a big needle that they shove in and go, and it hurts, but it's only once every three months. And that essentially drops your um, T levels to not, not, not exactly zero, but close to zero. 
usually even lower than that of a natal woman's um, T-level because everyone makes estrogen and testosterone in different amounts. Everyone, women, men, non-binary, <coughs> all folks. Um, but yeah, that, that drops it out. And mm. yeah, my mood after that, my, my thought processes, my depression was all radically different and that was what I needed most. But we didn't know that to start with if it was going to be the little blue tablets which had two milligram, then four, then six, then eight, the maximum dosage that you're having. I wasn't absorbing the tablets very well. But that blocker, that made all the difference. Oh, there we go. And then, because the tablets weren't working too well, they have a threshold um, level of estrogen in your blood they want to get to. It's a relatively low level comparatively, but that's the target they try to get to. And I wasn't getting on tablets. Then they tried me on gel, and this gel you just smear on your thighs and your tummy every morning, maybe every evening, depending on the dosage. And that did even worse. But because your blood tests are not always accurate, they didn't catch that. And for a period of about six months, I had menopausal symptoms, and it sucks. And I don't recommend it. Mm -hmm. having a too lower level of <laughs> don't sex think anyone would recommend. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I get what you mean there. So yeah, the 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 hot flushes, the sleepless nights. Yeah, not good, not good. But I eventually went on patches. So in the UK, if you go through the official means, they have the tablets, the gels, and the patches as options. And luckily for me, oh God, I don't want to show my belly to everyone. It's just going to put everyone off the lunch, but I've got some patches on. I replace them once a week, and that's doing me, um, doing me good. It's got my levels just right. So there we go. So Get them in. Sorry, go ahead. After, so you've, you had your uh, two uh, um, uh, hormone uh, um, medications and then you um what happened then after that what's what uh, uh um was the rest of your journey mm. yeah so uh the next step from that is time this thing takes time to really make the changes and it's subtle and of course um if you're there and you're looking at yourself in the mirror every day and you're always looking for your own faults and pointing them out and feeling bad about it, you don't know how much you've changed compared to with the other people seeing you every day. And other people can get really fed up with you complaining and they're saying, that, 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 that staff, look at you, you're doing awesome. So your friends of people going through this, be warned that there might be periods of that, but please be supportive and understanding. But, okay, next medical steps, because I've, I've gone on about tablets for, for long enough. <clears throat> yeah, we're, Something we're I did do. wanting to do a, a bit of a break soon so you can sort out your audio card, so I thought... Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is it doing the same thing again? Yeah, yeah. Crack oh, getting a little no. breaky. Oh, right. So I'll have a break soon. I'll swap audio device afterwards. No problem. In fact... The thing I was going to chat about next is voice therapy. Just to go with the microphone thing as well. Do you want me to restart the power on this first? Um, yeah, let's take, let's take a quick couple yeah. of minutes break because okay. we do have another thing we can talk about for a moment. Yeah, and we can get you all sorted, and then uh, 
it, it seems right that if we're going to be talking about voice, that we should have good quality to, to best demonstrate. <laughs> Chat is saying it sounds better now. How does it sound? It does sound better. Fixed better or... I wonder if it's the cable. Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. that, that that's, that's a massive improvement at the moment. Um, right. right. <laughs> Should we continue? Yeah. It's been, it's been called out and now it's, uh, it's hiding. Cool. So right. <laughs> yeah. Something I was doing along in the background was voice therapy. And again, that's another thing. You've got to dump a bunch of cash into here. And I was very lucky to be in a job where I could afford it. And again, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I mean, I don't have the most perfectest voice in the world, but it's certainly more comfortable for me than it used to be. And it's what I sound like now. And uh, yeah, it's all good. It was, it was time worth spent, but it did take about a year and it's daily practice for a year. But it's only say 10 minutes a day and it's totally worth it. And if you were to hear what I used to sound like, um, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to try to do that. I'm not going to play a recording of it. Mm. But um, if, if I could um, improve things for myself, then there's hope for pretty much anyone out there. So keep at it. But there is, there is so much conflicting information on the internet regarding voice therapy and voice training. A lot of it is conflicting. And a lot of it is damaging to the muscles in your neck and to your voice box. So whilst it's all high and mighty me saying that I recommend seeing a professional, but I do recommend seeing a professional who will help you to speak in a way which won't hurt you or tire you out over time. There are other options. There, there are surgical options. I haven't gone with that yet. Um, but the, there's various ways that people can get surgery in their, on their vocal cords to um, change their resonance, to change their pitch. And there can be phenomenal results, but also it's, it can be quite, it can be a dangerous um, mm. surgery. And you do need to make sure you don't speak for like a month or so afterwards and then only whisper, well, not even whisper, then talk sparingly for a bit. So it, if it's something you, you're considering, um, also consider the, the downtime afterwards, but there are options for that. And there are very, some very good success stories from it. Uh, right. So, so there's various options based, you know, on what, you know, it sounds a little bit sad, unfortunately, but based on what you can afford, but also what you can afford time-wise. And also, I guess, how long and how quickly you're expecting results as to what option you may try and what you may want to be considering and exactly. based on what it is that is particular to your situation of the mm. things that you are wanting to change mm. or or adjust for your comfort and your expression of of what it is that you want or, or, or feel is is the real you Exactly. I mean, so for some folks, they are happy with their voice as it belongs to them. It is their expression. And um, for some folks, um, they can have very bad voice dysphoria. Mine was, it was an issue in meetings and speaking with friends. 
Uh, it was getting in the way of everyday life, which is why I went for therapy there. Uh, we are talking about voices, uh, Anna, by the way, who on this topic would have some information, by the way. But I know we are limited somewhat on time. Mm -hmm. uh, should we go on to other bits? So yeah. while, that was, that, while that was in play, whilst the, the drugs were in play, the other things I knew I needed to do were to do something with my face and also do something with uh, the bits downstairs. The genitalia, if, if folks have been waiting around for that. So face-wise, 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 it's the thing you usually say every time you look in the mirror, usually. And as mentioned a little while ago, uh, there was some dysmorphia associated with my past there. And I could not not see my father's jaw to start with. And uh, yes, I partook in my company's share scheme. I bid my time over three years. And thanks to good fortune, it was through that that I was able to afford some work on my face. Now, what I wanted out of this was not to become a magazine cover person, not to become traditionally beautiful. What, what I was going for was some, what the place I went to, um, the facial team they call it, um, often that is they just cut out the masculinity. They, they cut out the areas which have grown in bone due to being on testosterone. So I would in theory have my face still just with the areas which make me feel bad reduced. But there again, there are options out there depending on what you need, what, what you want to get away from or get to. But this that that is what I was looking for in a surgeon for FFS. Um, I Which I'll try to say and get the wrong way around. Go a, ahead. A question. Um, it, this, this again might be due to uh, uh, my own uh, um, ignorance on this uh, uh, factor. Um, doesn't the uh, hormone uh, treatment also have an effect on your um, uh, the the, the um, distribution of fat on your face to make it in itself a more feminine feature or masculine feature depending on the so you may not need surgery exactly yeah. that is exactly right cool and um, it, it's a good time to pop back on a topic and say you do not have to have any surgery to be trans enough you do not have to have surgery to be traditionally feminine enough now um you do what is right for you and your face and your life um do not feel forced to have to go through that same path if you don't want it. But also, yes, please do know that hormones can alone make a large difference in your face. But uh, yes, facial feminization surgery. Thank you. Uh, the the other um, thing it stands for is one I'm more commonly known for shouting. But, uh, <laughs> I was thinking yeah, that. Yeah, I me was too. thinking that. <laughs> Which is probably what you said when you sent me those photos were like, ah! <laughs> hmm. So um, in my case, uh, 
not not for going, oh, yes, yes. People complimented me all of the time and all of that. Um, I had comments that, oh, yes, your nose is fine. There's no need to change your nose. I did have a work on my nose because it had been broken in jiu-jitsu years ago. So whilst I was getting everything else done, yes, I, I did have. Honestly, I'm jealous. <laughs> But the, the more important things were the brow bone and the forehead and the jaw, which maybe still a little large on me, I know, but um, I needed some of the jaw removed and some of the struttingness removed. And for those who want to know, to know the, the gory details, um, they essentially grind down brow, which is sticking out. They can reshape the part in the front of your forehead to give it the shape you're more going towards if you want it. But the jaw, they, they go in through the mouth, they cut bits out and pull it out. And the people who do this are very well practiced. They're usually very, very, very safe and very supportive, um, usually in good hands. But this is major surgery. And say so in my case, the the drawback to this is I do have some nerve damage on the front of my face and I don't feel this part of my chin properly anymore. And it feels like it's um, constantly swollen a bit, even though it's not. But uh, that's, that's a small, a tiny trade-off I was willing to give to get rid of a source of constant depression and dysphoria. So... Um, that, that's why I went for that. Ooh, and I've got to say that after coming back from that clinic, almost immediately my confidence in public was an order of magnitude higher than it was before. Beforehand, I would walk around town with my hand over my throat and over my face so people can't see my face. I'd walk around like this. And that looks a little weird, I know. But I'd rather do that than people see me. But from then onwards, even with a massively swollen face as it was uh, recovering, the absence of that dysphoria again, just being able to do day-to-day -day stuff and interact with people, fantastic, fantastic. And I'm so glad I was, I keep saying the word privilege, but it is, it, it's costly. I, I had to scheme years of my life to afford it, worth it on my case. What I would say is the NHS should be providing this. This isn't just, just a cosmetic, oh, just beautifying. Oh, they, they tend to poo-poo it away saying it's a cosmetic mm. um, procedure. It's, in my opinion, no less or more cosmetic than any other surgeries related that the GIC might uh, offer in that it is a barrier to many folks for getting through their life and exactly as i'm seeing in the chat it's, it's very important for people's mental health yeah there have been some studies i believe or at least some papers done some counting done saying that the productivity of folks who go through the surgery and live their better lives and just get on with stuff and pay their taxes back to the government more than makes up for the cost of it being supported on the nhs if they did it so why mm. haven't they done it yet complain 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 I think well, Scotland. Uh, yeah. I think Scotland does offer it. Just England and Wales do not. I'm not sure about Northern Ireland. No. Anywho, so that was a big step for me. The next big surgical step was the other surgery, 
How much does everyone want to hear about genitalia? Everyone's favorite <laughs> I mean, topic. I am all for hearing this side. For me, this is the stuff that people don't talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I personally would love to hear about it, but only if you're comfortable with sharing it. That's the important part. Of course, of course, of course. So, for those who may not know, I mean, of course, it's no secret that once upon a time I had a penis and I had testicles, and they were very, very upsetting. And they felt, I know that anecdote with the arm and the minor, the oil, yep. Feeling that every single day, just against the skin down there, almost making me feel sick sometimes. <clears throat> so the way that I get around that, or got around that back in the day, was something called uh, tucking. And for those who want to know, that is the the act of... Oh, I'm on camera there. Two little dangle bits go inside. The bit goes around the front and is then held in place. And then you can't feel it on the side of your legs. And it's, again, gender euphoria. You can't feel it. You don't need to think about it. Fantastic. I wish I discovered it sooner. But God is that uncomfortable to start with, but you do get used to it. And the longer you're on HRT, the more things shrink a bit, the easier it is to do. Now, this is at least part of the story, which didn't cost a whole bunch to start with. Now, to maintain the tuck, I had, what the hell do you call them? Um, a gaff, they call it. And I made a gaff out of a sock and the band of some tights. And you can buy you can buy them off the internet for like £20, £30. Ridiculous, no. You get, oh God, let's, let's take a sock off. <laughs> just cut We've off. got a demonstration here now. Okay. <laughs> I've got bits upstairs. Uh, but Quickly, TOS, go to an ad. <laughs> <laughs> cut the top of the sock off. And then you get the band of the tights. And it just goes through the whole there. And you wear it like underwear. And that keeps things in place. Fantastic. I'm sure so many people are like really appreciating that information to be fair because you probably have to search and search and try and figure that out. <laughs> yes, for anyone just listening to the podcast you can actually buy uh, underwear with gaffs sort of built in now. I, I specifically know because I was looking it up a while ago that some uh, sort of transgender uh, fashion designers have started making you know affordable underwear for trans people so that you you know you don't have to jerry-rig a sock and some tights together <laughs> or you know spend your life savings on some uh some underwear that actually works for you so you can google that fairly easily and uh if you if you are just listening to this and you're like what the fuck you can also pick up a sock if you want to imagine this as well <laughs> yep and um yeah and, and two layers of gaff on to keep things in place because I like rock climbing and you need everything kept in there tight and not slipping out because slipping out is the worst thing not not for oh folks know my secret or anything like that no it's just because of the sensation and the reminder of it is so horrible and so debilitating uh, yeah so that, that was the placeholder I had before going and getting this thing sorted out. I, 
Uh, I know the questions from Chad are coming later, but I do want to respond to something I've just seen in there, in that uh, being trans is not just about the genitals. That's exactly, exactly right. Not uh, going back on the thing of I'm not the empress of all this and not everyone's situation is the same. Not all people want the surgery. Not all people feel the same way about stuff. Some people can't have surgery. And for those who do or want to, there's different types of surgery with different results depending on what is right for them. Now, yeah, going into the surgery, I, I knew I definitely needed it. I needed rid of the stuff. I needed things right. It, I was keeping myself from relationships for a very, very long time because I knew that at some point that thing was going to play into it. There'd be questions and no, 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 no. I needed it out of the way as part of one, feeling comfortable, not feeling that grossness or vomit-inducing feeling, and two, for you know, just getting on and living the life. And you can get this surgery, the surgery, they call it, on the NHS if you go through the GIC waiting list. Now, as a callback to the start of the stream, I'm still on the waiting list after four years or however long it's been now, three mm -hmm. and a half years. Uh, if you go through that route, that waiting list is just for your first appointment, your face-to-face. -face. Then you've got to wait for your second appointment, which could be half a year, a year later, to start hormones. Then it can be a couple of years before the appointment for the referral for surgery. And then it can be a year or more waiting on that waiting list, and it drags on. <clears throat> and whilst it's never too late to transition, never too late, I didn't have that time. So I had to go um, private again. Uh, I didn't have magic share money anymore. Uh, I asked the community, I asked Twitter, I asked friends, and I did the thing I always thought I never wanted to um, do. Don't you know, asking people, oh, you, you fund my thing now, now my thing's more important than you living up now. No, I never wanted to do anything like that. But I've got to say, I've got to put out there, there is absolutely no shame in making a GoFundMe for asking. It is difficult to get this sorted by yourself. It is very difficult to save the amount they ask for this if you want to go privately. It's stuff that should be made available. Um, a lot easier and a lot more readily for those who know they want it but uh yeah um, just as a a quick question what kind of level are we talking here in monetary in value monetary. right so currently the cost of what i had which was a vaginoplasty so i i have um, i have a hole which goes inside now which is fantastic the cost of that one is fifteen thousand pounds with the surgeon i saw 15. Mm -hmm. In comparison, the cost of the facial surgeries was a lot more, like 25, 27, just because they are less supported around uh, and more seen as, as um, cosmetic. It's, it's a lot of money, a lot of money to be throwing around. I'm glad I could afford it. And I'm glad, I, at least for the second bit with the 15, I'm glad I had some friends who I can never repay. You are so, so kind. And yeah, so there we go. That That is why I live in a little box here. Um, instead of owning a home or anything like that, that's why um, I don't really do much because saving and funding 
these treatments and this medication is more important to me than all of that other stuff. And yes, we sh sure we should just support the folks who need it, um, socialize that care. And in theory, it is there, but it's not there in supporting the folks who need it. It needs to be a little more open and a little easier to access and a little less bank breaking. Yes. Anywho, sorry, go, go ahead. No, that was just me agreeing with you. But yes, mm -hmm. it, it, it would be brilliant if people did have better access to the care they need. But I think that's exactly why we have to have these discussions so that hopefully that is the end result one day. Mm -hmm. um, More discussions. As a quick question, um, I personally don't want to stop you mid-story. Um, I think that it is an important thing for us to be talking about and that I'd like to give you as much time as as you need to to get through the story and also to answer the questions. Are you time limited? I'm not particularly time limited, but um, I will wrap up this um, itinerary of <laughs> I'm just aware we've also got quite a few questions to get through as well. Oh gosh, oh gosh. But uh, yeah, so surgery-wise, uh, bottom surgery they call it, that was August last year for me. So we're, we're quite close to the present now. <clears throat> so you go off, you go to hospital, uh, you have a um, big old enema, you get everything cleared out, and you go to sleep, and then you wake up, and your arch enemy is finally, finally vanquished, kind of. Kind of. It's, it's then a long road to recovery. Long road. Uh, you've got a week or so in, in, in hospital to start with. Uh, and then you are maintaining that. If, if you have the new opening, you need to maintain it with uh, a procedure you perform on yourself three times a day to start with. It takes about an hour each time. And your day is based around this aftercare. And eventually the amount of times you do it reduces. It goes from three a day to two a day to one a day to one every other day, eventually down to one a week. Uh, but that takes actually a year or so of spacing it out. And uh, yeah, there's there's the wounds to look around to where, where the incisions had to be made and all sorts and all sorts. And you have... You don't go in knowing you're going to get a perfect result, or if there's going to be any nerve damage, it's always a bit of a gamble. But this thing is so important to folks' lives, they do it anyway, risking um, chronic pain down there, that risking uh, numbness or risking some lack of function. There's also, there are some dangers which can happen. You can end up with fistulas between the vagina and the rectum, which is quite dangerous. There's all mm. sorts, but... The surgeons are well practiced. Uh, they're experts, of course. Uh, the the risks are minimised, and as long as you do what the surgeon tells you, your chances are good. But again, I'm mostly saying that not to scare people, but mostly to emphasise that this is so important to folks. They put themselves through hell and a lot of pain and a lot of struggling and a lot of financial hardship to make this right. To be them for themselves. To be able to get through lives without a burden that most folks don't need to worry about. And uh, yeah, please support folks and be understanding of folks who, who go through it. Um, 
And I know I shouldn't be answering questions till later, but also it was saying, <laughs> was it scary once it had been done? Um, I wasn't too scared going into it or the facial surgery, but the fear for me comes from afterwards in the recovery of, is this right? Is this behaving right? Is this healing right? Is this a problem? Not knowing it, because the surgeon, the consultant, the nurse isn't there all of the time to hold your hand and guide your way through. That's that's where my anxiety with it came from. I think it's 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 the general uh, feeling for any surgery, isn't it? You you you're kind of thrown out afterwards with not much of a clue and maybe some bandages and uh, uh, some cleaning instructions and uh, yeah. you don't know when your next appointment is and uh, basically if, <laughs> if something falls off uh, uh, then it's uh, it's probably bad uh, uh, but otherwise it's you're on your own <laughs> it's that level of yeah it's going to be scary because you're yes. not going to know and you're going to be looking for things that might be wrong well, and you're not trained in these things as well, so you might be like, okay, I know signs of infection are, it could be weeping, it could be warm. Well, it's definitely warm. It's like, of course it's warm, it's swollen. Like, of course it's, it. this is fine. This, but you're not trained in any of it. You're not a doctor, at least, you know, at least none of us here are, well, Kay's, not Kay is a doctor, but not the medical doctor. So <laughs> I'm a genetic kind, does that count? Gosh darn it, I'm the only one without a doctor and I'm sad. <laughs> no, no, don't be. Though I have been medically trained, so hey! <laughs> Here's the thing, though, because of this exact issue and you know, folks aren't experts, what happens online is a network of support in areas of asking folks who are going through the same thing of, and, and friends, you're making friends who are going through the same thing, then folks compare photos of, of the surgical sites recovering is this normal is is this is this right is this expected and we end up being medical advisors to each other and that shouldn't be the case but we we, we make and get the support where we can mm. so for those who might be wondering oh well what is it done i'm not going to get i'm not going to take my pants down and show you no no but i will say that please if, don't um, <laughs> yeah. not on, not on yeah. twitch that is a very different website <laughs> i'm not even allowed to say the words only in fans on twitch but you know um, gosh darn it there was a hyphen people <laughs> um yeah yeah um oh does it look like it's supposed to and whatnot and yeah Looks like it's supposed to. There's a whole weather it's supposed to be. It's, it's warm inside. Um, some people can self-lubricate, some people can't. But then again, some uh, natal women can, some can't. It is as it should be. And it's no, as it, complicated it as any other. <laughs> it doesn't look like something else which has been cut up and sewn together to look something different. No, it looks just fine. And I'm very happy with it. Thank you very much. Yep. And all anyway. women are different anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Like, no, no, no two vaginas look the same. They genuinely do not. Oh, mm. uh, we could have an entire podcast on vaginas. I <laughs> just write that down. That's one we. That, yep, yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm okay having that discussion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yes, so yeah. you. You've had quite a, a a large chunk of the um, known 
medical surgeries uh, um, to uh, get to where you are now. Um, it sounds like you had quite a supportive environment compared to expectation. Yes, I was incredibly fortunate. So uh, when first deciding to go down this path, um, I didn't mind telling work. That was fine. I didn't mind telling friends. It was telling family, which scared the ever-loving bejeebus out of me. Uh, and the closer the family, the harder it was to tell. The closer the friend, the harder to tell. Uh, thinking about letting them down or what would happen if they didn't agree or didn't support. And uh, at least in my case, the fear was a lot worse than the actual reality. I know for some people that isn't the case. For some people it is um, uh, dangerous, uh, depending on the situation. Some people might not have quite as much support. Uh, but for me, luckily, the fear was worse than the reality, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, most friends were very supportive. Uh, of course, there were some people inevitably who said, no, well, I don't think that's right. I don't think you're doing the right thing. I think you should just know, ignore it and put up with it. Do what everyone does. You can't change reality. Just There will be some people who say that. But that doesn't mean to say that they will always think that. They might be having trouble. It might be a bit of a uh, thing for them to mull over. They might change their mind. They may not. But the thing is, you do what you need to do for you. You don't live your life for someone else. Was that the question? I've, I've started going off on one. <laughs> um, it, that you had a supportive environment and you were saying about how it was harder the closer the people were to you and... Yes, yeah, yeah, and I'd okay. imagine that, I imagine that's a, that's a common thing. Yeah. Um, okay, shall we move on to some questions and some audience questions, if you've... Yes, yes. If that's Please. where you're comfortable finishing up your story, or if there's more to add? Um, I don't have a lot more to add. Um, yep. Since, I do have... Sorry. So go ahead. I do have one question. Um, mm -hmm. Just 4K, again, if you are comfortable answering this, but is there anything that you are still looking to do or any any part of your journey you're still wanting to continue? Uh, there, there are some things which I do keep trying to weigh up. Of course, there are things which are still expensive and things which I don't know how they needed. Are they not? Because at the moment, where I stand, I have gotten rid of the major, major sources of dysphoria and depression in my life regarding um, this, this physical self. So I, I could go on now and hopefully be happy. But there's always a, ooh, what can we do to make it perfect? What, what does it need to be perfect? Does this need to change or not? And it is something I do complain to you about quite often. Artemis, <laughs> my, my, my darling there, is that um, I'm not always happy with the voice. And if I hear my voice played back to me, anyone who hears their own voice usually recoils in disgust anyway. But I'm still partially hearing the old voice. And it's like, do I, do I, need, to go, do, do I need to go get that surgery done? Do I need to risk that? And there is, of course, the... I have a broad chest because I went through puberty with a lot of testosterone. 
and I I would like cleavage, but that is more of a um, for me I guess now more of a um, I don't want to say cosmetic, but um, that that would be a nice to have. Fair enough. And I don't know. I mean, for folks on who, who start taking HRT and they start growing their own breasts, they can grow to whatever size that their genetics predisposed. Pre, oh, good lord! Words predisposition predispositioned them to. Uh, eight cups all the way to very, 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 very large. Look at the draw. Look at the genetics, and. What I see when I look down now is not the shape that things used to be, that there are breasts there, and my brain feels like it's correct with what it seems. But I do wonder sometimes, do I need to get augmentation for things to look the correct? Correct. Correct for me. Uh, proportion. So that's not a definite going to go for that, but it's just something I've been pondering i think that's something a lot of folks do and i don't think it's anything to be shamed of at all i don't think no, that I mean... that's a cosmetic thing and i argue that it's the same for people who aren't going through transition it's not it, i don't think it's a cosmetic thing if it's something that mentally isn't how you see yourself yeah and even that... if it is cosmetic i mean uh, you know, we've put on makeup today because that's yeah. how we'd like to look. And you know, uh, no, I, I, moved, I moved. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Good point. Good point. I'm. I moved. I, I got tattoos. I'm covered in ink and colours because that's how I thought my skin should look. And if if you decide I want, you know, forty double Gs because that is how I want to be, then fucking go for it. I mean, like, it's a fun idea. But although your back make... will hurt. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah I might be, be prepared for the backache. <laughs> yes. But okay, so so that's uh, you're despite that one little thing that you're considering, um you're you've reached a point where you're comfortable and and you feel you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the whole feeling you or something folks like to use a lot because it was touted as a way of um, understanding the situation is born in the wrong body, but it's not always an accurate think way of describing it. Whilst how would you phrase yeah, it then? I wish I would have, would have thought about it beforehand, before bringing it up. Um, so from from my perspective, from my perception of it, um, it was my body, something horrific was happening to it. I did end up um, dissociating somewhat and feeling like something piloting a, a, a meat machine. But that's just how I dealt with um, 25 years of waiting. Um, but it is me and my body was just becoming something gross to me. Um, I don't know. I, I know a lot of folks 
um, in, in the community don't like the phrase born in the wrong body, but I don't have a good alternative to mind. And I forget which point I was trying to make in the first place. Oh, the fact that I, I was phrasing it in it, that you're feeling you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It feels right. It, it, it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it does not currently. Um, make, the, the way I would describe it, because I do a lot of maths, is uh, looking at an equation on a piece of paper and it's saying 3 plus 2 equals 7. And you know it's not right. It's just something on the, on, on the paper that doesn't mean anything, but you know it's not right. And your brain's telling you it's wrong, and it's wrong, and it's wrong, and it's wrong. You've you got to fix it, and it's wrong. That's not firing anymore. I'm not getting three plus two is seven anymore. Mm. That's good. Uh, a good. A way that I've heard some <laughs> transgender people sort of describe the the idea of being born in the wrong body isn't that they're born in the wrong body. They're born in their body. It's just parts of it aren't right. Parts. Mm -hmm. It's still their body and it's still theirs. Just certain parts of it are parts they wouldn't have necessarily have wanted to grow. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, obviously where your idea of top and bottom surgery comes from. And again, this may not be the same for, for everyone, but mm -hmm. yes, I, I guess it's not that the entire physical being is incorrect. It's some parts of it are. Indeed. I mean, Indeed. I, I'm basing it off of my own experience with body dysmorphia of, of going, I don't, I feel alien in my body. Like my body doesn't feel right to me and that's it's and until i got to grips with that then i didn't feel me yes so th that's why i'm basing it off that that's the phrasing or origin origin of that um mm -hmm. okay right so this is probably going to be a whole nother kettle of fish because this is a big question uh, <laughs> there have been a lot of issues arising in the current government with trans rights being slowly removed through the regendering of toilets and the judgment uh, on access of puberty blockers um, and how they can be uh, prescribed. Uh, what are your feelings about this and what should we be focusing on doing to tackle this? Mm -hmm. That is a very, very broad question and a more prepared person would have a litany of references and stuff ready to go but um, work 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 uh, so what i can say what is going on what is always going on it is there's a, there is a constant push against trans rights in this country and other countries uk us abroad and it is constant it is coming from various um sources one being uh, the, the, this fundamentalist religious groups in the US that fund um, certain societies in the UK. They give them a bunch of money, they get access to rich people, they get access to uh, folks in the government, and they're just whispering when they are. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's all documented, it's all known about. I don't want to mention any specific groups, or should I mention specific groups, because that is inviting war and fire and disaster. But you will see, if you're on Twitter a lot, them popping up and they'll have group UK, group Spain, group France, group US, and they're, they're constantly firing off and they're well organised and they're well funded. And yeah, and, and it's this constant pressure. 
and on the other side you have the newspapers and the newspapers love a story about trans people or trans issues not to be supportive but because it's something different from the norm and they can sell it and they can make scandal out of it and um it's a scapegoat exactly and it's constant it is absolutely constant so what what what, what, what do folks do though can, can we put out the correct information well then it's if you are correcting an idea which has already been put out there you need to fight twice as hard to enlarge the initial piece of misinformation and it's it's exhausting and you can end up talking about nothing but it and calling um this misinformation out and there's nothing in your feed but this stuff and then folks stop listening because oh what is this i don't understand all this i don't know where it's coming from most is politics isn't it and it is exhausting and it is depressing especially when these folks are talking about your right to continue existence and also you being able to live your life without those massive weights on the shoulders, which were, to be frank, about to kill me at the time. And they make the push to stop teaching LGBTQIA plus topics in schools. That's currently going on in Oklahoma, I think. They try to remove medical help from trans individuals. They, they were successful with the hormone blockers for uh, trans youth in this country that they keep finding they keep making uh making gains and it is horribly depressing uh yeah the and what is often often going on is that word misinformation and it's often misrepresenting laws which have been in there for like 20 years or more safeguarding folks rights to do as they should, and folks have not been affected by it, folks who aren't trans, it's just there. And suddenly they, they can lie a little bit about what that law says and make a scandal out of it and then get it revoked and just slowly edge away trans rights. Yes. And then when they're done with trans people, they're going to start focusing on um, gay people and lesbian people and drive a wedge. And we know that they're going to do that because these groups put out in their manifestos, we are going to do this, and they are doing it. Um, it's upsetting that the only ones actually sticking to their manifestos are the ones that actually want to hurt people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But what can we do about it, I think, was the question. How can we fight against it? Uh, so there is always the, yes, if misinformation is stated, don't just let it slide. Call the shit out. Um, there is the that that on Twitter, you might make some ground, you might not, you might start an argument. Twitter is a horrible place in many, many ways. But what is good to do in real life is if you hear someone um, repeating bollocks or repeating uh, thoughts which are putting hypotheticals and storming arguments over the impact on real life people, call them out on it correct them. Um, if you know trans individuals, please check in on them every so often, make sure they're all right, because this deluge of information, these attacks from the media, there's attacks from people in the government are constant. There was the Green Party conference or whatever it was in this last week, and there was motions there for well, basically putting in up transphobic rules and um, 
suppressing trans members of the Green Party, and that's that's just not very fun, is it? Uh, yeah, educate, and I wish I had better answers. I wish I had better answers. I mean, at um, the end of the day, it's it's an opinion of the situation, and it's it's a you shouldn't be expected to provide a step-by-step -step process of of uh, uh, what to do. It was more of a your thoughts and opinions mm. on it. And, and if you don't have an answer, that's okay. Because at the end of the day, people should be taking the initiative to look into it themselves, to, to utilise the amazing major amount of information out there to to educate themselves but if we can point them in a direction and that's also helpful yeah so i think i'm it's... hearing this crackling again can, is this any better uh yep seems to be a little bit oh, i'm gonna have to do something about this box aren't i yeah hammer might be so... a good idea just <laughs> oh, take, take it out yeah take it out i th i think i uh, just to add an addendum to what you've said Kay, as well look to history i think personally is something good to do because trans people are the current scapegoat for a lot of issues but if we look back in history we've seen the exact same arguments being made uh initially with black people and then with gay people as another group actually starts to gain attention there are people who are afraid and there are people who think their rights may be affected uh, and there are those that will just use that argument to try and get those people on side but as we're seeing with discussions about bathrooms these are the exact same arguments that we saw previously with well if lesbians use the same toilet will i start liking women it's like no well if a black person uses my toilet do i become black no you don't and it's the exact same thing it's the exact same argument every time and I think if we look at how people that came before us worked to kind of change the information that was about and to start getting more, you know, rights for people, hopefully we can continue to do the same. There will always be another scapegoat, unfortunately, but hey, if by the time we do it a third time and, you know, <laughs> actually start writing these arguments, we'll have a playbook by that point. It'll be a lot easier to... Uh, actually help people get the rights that they need and no k dance you are correct it's not the exact same thing but it is the same argument it's mm -hmm. you know all three groups have been have been said about what if they use water fountains uh, what if we use the same bathroom what if they use our changing rooms and that's why you had segregation in areas where certain people weren't allowed to go so it may mm -hmm. not be the same lived experience but it is the same argument about each group Quite often yes, no. the argument that I see brought up is the whole concept of well, I don't feel safe around trans people because, you know, it's allowing uh, men into the women's bathrooms and stuff like that and it's like, mm. no, no it is not and no. also you have to question why your thought processes are going there and tackling and it is i mean this is extremely topical as well with uh, uh currently on twitter when we were talking about it before the uh, uh podcast of of it's you've got to question that the, the origin of that and the fact that there is more of an issue with um the uh attackers and the 
principled that we're allowing people to basically uh, associate with victims rather than, you know, associate the bad part with the victims. And you have to, that's the thing that you need to be tackling and, and worrying about, not whether mm -hmm. or not someone's going to come into the bathrooms mm. <laughs> and that's somehow wrong it's not they have the same issue they have the same worries they have the same things that they need to tackle mm -hmm. indeed yeah there's two or three different topics my brain's trying to talk about at the same time yeah. I'm trying not to say all <laughs> of the same words at the same time there was uh, recently a little bit of um study work someone did to cross-reference the people who say we're anti-trans because we are protecting women and them actually contributing to funds or projects to actually help women and it doesn't overlap it's an no. excuse and uh, the whole because it's specifically trans women trans women in bathrooms yes. mm. everyone always forgets trans men and trans mm. men in bathrooms yeah. I mean don't know do why, you want to make but... trans men go to the women's bathroom? Mm -hmm. You can't see anything going wrong with that, can you? Someone who has been on testosterone for five years and... Yeah, you, the same people go... People do go into bathrooms and beat people up to protect women. And they do so without checking and they do so without thinking. And it's all based off of societal expectations about how a woman should look and sound and... I think, I don't, don't want to say it's more or less, but the amount of uh, natal, the amount of cis women who are attacked in bathrooms because they don't conform to femininity enough and people assume they're trans is ridiculous and nothing gets done about it and the men pat themselves back, sorry, that's me generalizationing. It's because it's usually in the story a man, the man, they pat themselves on the back, they've protected a woman by punching a woman in the face and it's 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 incredibly frustrating where there isn't one in indeed indeed and then in the whole oh, men shouldn't be using the women's bathroom trans women are not men mm -hmm. the, the whole discussion of uh sex and gender is not as straightforward as your primary school biology lesson sex in i think the best model of it so far is a bimodal uh distribution and there are like 48 factors which lead into it it is not exactly binary and it's not yeah. exactly straightforward and you should spend less time worrying about other people's genitals whilst you're going to the bathroom and more about what you're doing there and <laughs> i was gonna say surely you should be worried about your own genitals at that point yeah. like, <laughs> and where to direct them <laughs> so, exactly like why people are so preoccupied with what other people are doing while they're in the bathroom is, well, you might want to be questioning uh, uh, why you're so intrigued. Exactly. <laughs> and, we, and we all do have bias and we all have unconscious bias. And it's important yeah. to recognize because having bias or unconscious bias doesn't mean you're a bad person. It only is when you use that to actually attack other people or to form harmful views and then stick to your guns on them. Learning, and I th that's something I think we've said almost every episode so far, but learning and educating and changing your views is science and that's actually yeah. learning and it's education and it's bettering yourself and the situation for the people around you so if you do find yourself with thoughts like but what if then maybe 
confront in yourself why that fear exists. If it's a founded fear, other people will share it and there will be ways to deal with it. If it's an unfounded fear, you are projecting your fear onto others and actually hurting people. It's not to say that because, because we're saying that this isn't an actual issue, there's in this, this the, the, the story that you're creating around the gendering of toilets, for example, is, isn't to say that there isn't an issue with um, uh, men attacking women or vice versa or whatever. It's that the issues are completely separate and shouldn't be trying to place that on on people that are actually tend to be the the, the ones that are victimized. <laughs> Exactly. The, the rates of violence against trans people, the rate of sexual assault against, so trigger warning there, the, the rate of all crimes against trans people is comparatively, proportionally very high yeah. compared to cis people. And yeah, it's not good. And we could do with a little, little more protection and a little more demonize, little less demonization. Yeah. If, if you're going to say that women need protection, you have to include all women and you can't just include cisgender women in that and so if anyone says you know they are femme or they are a woman or they are non-binary but they choose to use women's bathrooms or something like that they have to be included in this protections for women i just I, personally i'm very upset that we, we we're going backwards again because we were moving forwards to removing gendered toilets we, we were moving towards that and now we're going backwards again and they're trying to revoke those it's like no we've, ju we've just got to that point where we're just not <sighs> but yeah I... I think an optimistic view is society as a whole is still changing in the positive direction mm. acceptance now amongst the general populace is so so much better than last decade and so much better than the 90s and so so much better than the 80s and the the groups who want to maintain that old-fashioned norm and suppress people they're getting more desperate they're going with the different techniques they're, they're going after legislation now because they can't just rely on the populace being on their side anymore mm. so that's that's why why i think it's hotting up there um and part of what we can do and how we can improve this situation, this is me being a party pooper, of course, but the bad representations in media and film, we need to stop accepting them. Mm. Even The Simpsons and the Futurama, whenever they have a trans person in, as part of the story, it's usually horrific and misrepresenting it. South Park, horrendous for it. And yeah. oh yeah, oh, it's just comedy, it's just having a laugh. No, it, it's cementing ideas in people's head. That trans people are just, you know, men in drag or pretending. And yeah, Little Britain, it's, there's not good representation out there. And mm. I would like to see more folks not standing for shitty representation, even, even comedy. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to move us along onto audience questions that I've got lined up here, which is quite a few. Uh, <laughs> so we'll try and keep this as a, concise 
as possible so we can try and answer as many questions as possible um how do you feel about people having a preference for trans women in terms of relationships rather than a fetish right that is a very interesting question and i'm not just saying that as a way of ad libbing so i can scroll <laughs> down to my answer so personally personally i'd be wary but that's just me now there are many many trans folk prefer to date other trans folk because who understands what they're going through and their needs and their issues better than someone going through the same thing. Um, in my personal experience, when a cis person has said, oh, I prefer trans people, they usually follow up saying, you're the best of both worlds you are, just look at you. And that is not a big compliment as they think it is, at least not for me. Uh, the things you're saying are best of half of that world, there are things I'm trying to get rid of, thank you very much. But, that's the thing. Is it fetish? Is it preference? I can't say that someone's preference for romantic partner is wrong. No, it is there. It is part of who they are. I would just be wary. Wary is the word on my side about where that preference has come from. If it is based in a misconception about what trans is or what I might have biologically, or if it is... Again, gatekeeping what's genuine or not, but something more genuine and something more wholesome. So I would like to get more information first. If it is entirely just because it's a fetish, I'm not really into that. And a lot of some folks might be. I'm not. I'm just not. Hmm. Okay. Um, what is the most important thing you have learned about living as a woman which you didn't fully appreciate beforehand? And again, a, a good question because I could not think of a good answer to this um, because I think I would have had a good answer for this if last year hadn't been COVID pandemic end of the world times mm. because I only started feeling comfortable enough to go, I'm going to go out, I'm going to start socialising, living my true social life now and oh no I can't go anywhere or interact with people too well so I'm maybe about to discover that in the next few years or so I think um, uh, the only things I had written down were very low consequence anecdotes I had of oh that was nice um, rather than anything truly impactful I'm afraid uh, for example uh, folks are a lot more um, patient and understanding in the real world and much more um, willing to strike up a random conversation with you in the supermarket or in the or in the bathrooms. I didn't know that was a thing until now. In uh, the the expected socialisations of people, depending on if they fit in the binary male or the binary female, is very different. So there are still some things I am learning. For example, catching up with someone, and having a chat if you bump into them in the bathroom, rather than you mustn't ever say a word in the bathroom. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not a very momentous answer, but what is trans healthcare like in the NHS aside from the long waiting list? Yes, I can't answer that too well because as a part of my story there, I'm still in the waiting list. Mm. Now I have known people who have gone through it and they've been very happy with how nice people have been, um, with their rate of being seen. Your experience may vary wildly if you're with the ones in London or the ones in Brighton or the ones in Wales, the ones in Leeds and Manchester. 
the doctors and the service you get there change uh, in quality and in speed a lot. And so it, it, it is another gamble. It's a roll of the dice as to how that's going to go. Um, for me, most of my stuff was thankfully um, handled quicker, but with the aid of capitalism. Okay. Um, oh, bye, Arthramus. It's all right. Oh, it's all right. I'm having. Ugh, give me a second. I'm still here vocally. <laughs> What's changing question? Am I still crackling, by the way? Uh, not so much. Okay. We just switch places. It's okay. We're just we're just doing uh, musical chairs. Um, <laughs> as a guardian of a trans child, what are things that I can do to make those hard days easier? Yeah, that's that's easy. Again, a very very good question because. There can be very, very, very hard down days, very hard down weeks, especially with things happening in the news, things happening with legal rulings, especially regarding homo, um, puberty blockers, which I didn't get into mm. before. But that is a hugely upsetting ruling for various reasons. But what can you do to help out uh, other than be there to listen and it depends what what is the the source of the of the down day. It could be just doing something to help distract them. Play if they're into video games or not, or for watching films together. Just doing something together. Um, maybe not in the public eye, depending on what it is. Um, same as you do for anyone trans or not. Be there for them. Be patient. Listen. Be accepting. And uh, encouraging, because things things are going to take a long while to get better, and things take a long while to transition if you are doing a transition. So, again, that's not a substantial answer other than be there. You, yeah, I, was, I mean, that is a substantial answer. That, mm. that in itself is a substantial answer. It's, I mean, often for many situations especially in the like mental health situations and the the mental load that is part of transitioning just being there and being open to the 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 issues and the 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 need that that person has is so important with mm -hmm. and i guess unconditional openness hmm. and maybe based on what you were saying earlier Kay as well I, I guess be aware of the impact your words are going to have because children aren't dumb they understand a lot more than we give them credit for and will remember a lot more than we give them credit for so I, I guess treat your child as a mini adult and actually listen to what they're saying and take them seriously mm -hmm. exactly yeah, anecdotally, I used to drive my friends. I still do drive them um, potty, I think, with the, how do I sound today? Am I sounding right? Or uh, my, my, my face is really, really bad today. Um, the friend over there who went through the same thing, the one I mentioned before, uh, how do you deal with it? How, what do I do to get rid of this feeling for the day? And like, there's, there's nothing you can do. There's... You, you need to ride it out, I'm afraid, and 
sometimes there is very little to, to do. There's, there's not a, a magic pill or a magic button for that day, depending on what it is. Um, so be you've got it. You, you've got this. You, you can get through it and uh, give it time. And give yourself credit, um, person who is going through this. Give yourself a lot of credit because you are tough as nails and you can do this. Um. Okay. Um. Scientific medical question, if you don't mind. Speaking of medical transitioning and medication, what part of the therapy did you find the hardest? Specific changes and or side effects that were a lot to handle. Right. So. The, the first week after um, the facial surgery was incredibly hard in that any major surgery takes it out of you. It's not just because it's on your face, but you can feel a very weak, feel very dizzy. Things can be very sore. You have to take a lot of drugs. That was a rough time. And because of where I had it done, it could have been worse. I did go out somewhere to a foreign country by myself. And whilst I was recovering in a hotel room, that is a scary and depressing place to be. Luckily, I did meet other patients whilst I was there and I wasn't alone, so it could have been worse. But that, that that's a hard time. The, the first week after any major surgery is a rough time. Even if you're just lying there for a lot of it, it's, it's quite difficult. Um, the trying to get my medications in the right range possibly rivals that for a top point because as well as the menopausal symptoms that you might get because the levels are too low, uh, having the right levels of sex hormones does help regulate your mood quite a bit. And you know, if they're too low, that can help spiral on to, well, other depressions, other anxiety. And yeah, that, that was difficult when it's trying to get those levels in the correct range because it is a little bit of trial and error because everyone's a little different and it can take some time. And I mean, that's, that's, that is the story with a lot of medication. It, there's always, always going to be a trial and error period. And that is often the hardest part of any new medication is, is that you, often you end up with more side effects than you started off with until you get to the level where you, you figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I think there's a question lost in the uh, uh, mix, but uh, I do have another one. Um, do you think the education system is doing enough in terms of providing the education for younger people? I don't know. Um, I wish I did. I've not been involved in schools and teaching for a while. And my only insight into this is what my nephews are being taught. And my nephews are more interested in Fortnite at the moment <laughs> than chatting police. So I believe they're getting um, better insights than they did when I was in school, which was a long while ago now. Uh, however, the, I guess the only thing I can really bring up is there's cases in uh, academies in the UK, which are private schools, and there's cases in... Um, the US, where they're trying to legislate um, this type of education out. They're trying to stop folks from having the capacity to have sympathy or empathy for folks going through it. They're trying to stop folks from 
um, knowing uh, that this might be the, the cause of some of their troubles. And that is a worry. So there's there's always a counter protest against stopping, stopping those limitations and hopefully they succeed. Yeah, all I could say is I believe these days it's better than 20 odd years ago. But it could still be better. Mm. <laughs> always be better, mm. always. Um, okay. Um, on the front of people with mental disorders, how do you think the substantial changes in ways of understanding the world is having on them? Some don't care about sexual representation when they just want the world to stop changing to one they don't believe they grew up in. Okay. So I'm going to restate the question and just in a way of asking, is that what you mean? So um, I would also want to restate the question because I'm not entirely sure what that meant either. I think it's just a long is, question, I think. For, for the case of some people who have some learning disorders and they might not um, know uh, that things aren't as black and white and binary and as clear-cut as how they're originally introduced to a topic. How, how, how are they supposed to be told this without them getting upset that things aren't? How they were originally told that, oh, it's wrong because I was originally taught this. Yes, I, I kind of know. I don't work, I have not worked in um, schools um, which cater to um, kids with learning difficulties, uh, learning disabilities. I do have friends who do work in them. And uh, from what I can gather, they do a fantastic job at those schools. And the, the staff there are well-trained and well-experienced uh, in, in how to broach this topic. As for how to discuss it to someone who is through all of that and is, maybe is later in life and doesn't want to learn, that is a difficult thing because I don't think it is correct to suppress a people uh, to make another group more comfortable because that's something that they used to. Yeah, we should not be causing physical and real damage and danger to people just so that we can maintain a norm because it's convenient. And now, uh, as, as Althamis mentioned about kids before, kids understand a lot more than you give them credit for. And, and folks just aren't, they're not just stupid, they'll never understand. No, that's, that's very dismissive. That's, that's, that's not great. It is worth putting the effort in. It is worth being patient with. And um, hopefully letting the situation evolve. Yeah, so I've worked with um, autistic teenagers uh, doing computer, tutor uh, computer tutoring and things like that. Um, and the, the subject did come up a little bit, uh, mostly because they spent a lot of time on, on YouTube and YouTube comments and, uh, and forums and that kind of thing. And I think there weren't really any issues because although they may have had a preconceived idea when I said, well, that might be incorrect because here's some other evidence. It wasn't that... Oh, so let's take a step back. So with some autistic people, they find it very difficult to adapt to change, uh, to something changing from something they understand into something they may not understand because that can be distressing. But I think when it's not a work, you know, when it's not their entire world shifting, when it's something they can actually understand and grasp onto and there is knowledge available, at least from my perspective, there wasn't any major issue. It might have been a, well, I don't get it because this, but if you're actually willing to put in the time and just say, okay, so let me explain it. Here's another example. Here's a video. Here's, 
a form of media that you may actually consume. So like with a, a lad that I tutored, video games was a great way to explain it. So it's like, oh, you know, so here's your perception, but you know, Samus is a girl. You know, a, a very strong character that you thought may have been a male turns out to be a woman. That This is just sort of trying to explain that things are not always exactly as they seem, and that's okay. And yeah, I think if you give people the opportunity to learn and to ask those questions without, you know, being upset by it and to understand that people are trying, then I think oh. I've never found any problems. I think the key with this is basically if you if you feel like you're, you know, in of that age where things are difficult to adjust to, um, realize that age is just a number and change is inevitable and you are always capable of learning and expanding yourself as a person and adjusting to these new and 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 different scenarios and situations is just a part of expanding as a person and and life in general are you t are telling me that every time it comes around from uh, to winter you, you freak out <laughs> i mean <laughs> <laughs> and also understanding that it may only be new to you or yeah. to the person you're speaking yeah. with and that can actually be if somebody's saying this has changed i don't understand how this has changed it's like it hasn't just your understanding of it has changed it's yeah. not a thing to be scared about the world hasn't suddenly changed it's just what you understand about it that has um okay um Having lunch, so I may have missed this this discussion, but how did the people around you, close to you, react to you coming out and your transition process? Was it what you expected? On the whole, it was a lot better and more accepting than I expected. I was um, ex I was expecting family to be hurt, but they were more concerned that I had been hurting for so long and not told them about it and masked it. And that's what they were more upset about. Um, so my sister was the first person I told, my, my, my blood sister, not my sister from another Mr. Arthemis. Um, <laughs> and I just had a long fun conversation with that. And she's, you know, knows everyone in, in the city is a very knowledgeable and worldly person and it was fine there. Um, with my with my brother who may or may not be here. Hello control Dave, shout out. Hi Dave. Um, <laughs> it was more of a text chat thing because that's how we communicate better, but it was mostly on board. I was there um trying to give more of a description so we could have a handle on what I was experiencing and why, so you could under, understand it there. So it, it's speaking to people like individuals with your individual relationship to them as to how they would respond. Um, uh, at work, it was very, very straightforward. I'm very lucky that the place I work is very understanding and accepting and has had a lot of trans individuals go through the doors. And so it's a case of a producer, 
this is kind of happening. Uh, can I leave it with you for now? And say no more, say no more. And so that's fine. Um, there were some difficulties with some friends not getting it immediately. And some people not wanting to talk about it. Some people you might find don't want to talk about it at all. They'd like to ignore it and continue going on as if nothing had been said, as if it's not an issue. And I tried doing that for a while. It's it's a bit like um, ignoring, yeah, the, the elephant in the room, I guess. Um, but that's but I it mean, is a part it, of yourself. That's their yeah. issue. Yes, mm. you can't but, take um, it upon yourself to burden their inability to to deal with things. I mean, it it, it can create uncomfortable situations. Yeah. I can understand that. But well, try yeah. not to internalize it that they are having an issue. Like that's their they're it's the safe. ones yeah. struggling um with their own situation and that's not your fault. Do not ever think that it's on you. You won't also be able to help if that is a thought pattern you have. And that's not necessarily me saying that to, to Kay. It's just sort of in general. But if that situation does come up, you may blame yourself. or You may take it upon yourself because it's, you know, it's a change that's happening with you. And maybe, yes, it is their issue. I'd say it's worth trying to reach out to if you do have a therapist or, you know, to another person who may be knowledgeable to try and understand how to deal with that. because. You probably don't want to upset people around you, and if they are acting upset, you may feel bad about that. And while we can say it's not your fault, you may still not believe that. So do try and reach out to people who can help you get through the situation instead of just I'm understanding totally aware of that feeling. <laughs> Absolutely, and it is really difficult because as as a you know a good person, you're going to be like, oh god, I don't I don't want to be causing trouble for anyone. But although it's not fair that they put that on you. You have to deal with it the best way for you and for the relationship if you're wanting to to keep it. So just do the best you right can do. In the end, in this, yeah. in this case, it was it was okay in the end. It just took some time and some yeah. adjustment period. Um, as much as I would like to bang the drum and say everyone should accept everyone straight away, and everyone should, the reality is that sometimes some folks can take a little longer. Mm. And I don't think there's a way of accelerating that other than being in a society where it is more known and accepted what the change isn't going to be anyway. Mm. And for the most part, um, coming out and telling people was me just changing pronouns on social media things, updating <laughs> photos, and not actually mentioning that it, it was a thing. And um, let folks cotton on in their own time. Uh, something like I did do. Of doing it. Just, yeah, th this is normal. my thing. I'm what, doing the, it. What? I don't need to tell all of you yeah. lots. This, I'm just doing my thing. And uh, something I did do, and what I do regret a little bit, though, is that I did do a massive social media cull before I did it. And maybe, I should, maybe I was just too worried. Maybe I, should, I got rid of more people than I should have done. But uh, it's something I had to go through at the time. But that sounds like it was for your own comfort. Like, if you didn't trust those people with that information in that very delicate period of time, like, I mean... That is going to be a very delicate period of time, no matter how confident you are with the process. It's it, you're still going to have those doubts and fears and worries 
And if you mm. didn't trust those people with that, then that's <laughs> that is more than enough reason to call and to just not deal with that. <laughs> um okay, next question is um from bot. So do you remember how I first approached you? I used replacement words for certain things. How do you feel about people using replacement words to avoid using trans-specific terminology? Do you feel fine being a trans woman first, or do you prefer being a woman and also trans when applicable? Uh, in terms of using the replacement words, I don't mind as long as the conversation well, contextually, we know what we're talking about. I mean, uh, uh, any rules of grammar or spelling are fluid anyway and differ vastly between different dialects and whatnot. Um, using replacement words just as a social way of chatting, yeah, fine. As long as the person knows what you mean, that, that's all good. That's all good. As for that, the, the question on what am I... How do I identify? I think is the question there. Am I, am I a trans woman? I'm a woman who tends to be who, who happens to be trans. Uh, I wish I put more thought into it. Now this sounds incredibly egotistical. I think myself not as as woman or trans woman. I think of myself as K. I, I am me, the individual, mm -hmm. and woman is a label which can be applied. Uh, that that is a label with connotations. Some of those connotations are accurate. Some of them aren't. I'm not the most feminine and delicate and princess and stereotypical of, of ladies, not at all. But still, that is a label which can be applied, and I um, don't mind it at all. I prefer it to the other potential binary labels by far. As for the uh, describing as a trans woman or a woman, I do want to point out that trans, in this case, is an adjective, so it's a totally separate word, of course. Trans woman altogether is a noun, not a good term. I'd recommend against using that, because that is separating women and trans women in a way they shouldn't be. But yeah, I don't mind being referred to or identifying as a trans woman if it's relevant to the context, to the conversation there. And, and I'm happy to be counted with such an uh, adjective. There's, I'm not hiding it. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I think this is the last question that I'd like to end on. Um, trans tag for Twitch. Mm. I felt like yes. this was the much needed discussion that needed to happen. Mm. So uh, for those who may not know what this is, for the longest of time, trans content creators have been asking Twitch for a specific tag for trans. And that is because um, trans content creators and trans viewers like to seek each other out to make little communities because these are environments where we don't have the worry, the pressure about masking certain aspects which um, attract um, bad actors or needing to try and represent, um, or be a representative or whatnot. We just want to relax and be in an environment with people who understand and in audio delay. Is it at least coming through okay or is it crackly? There's not been much crackle. It's, so okay. There has been delay, yeah. That's weird. Okay. Uh, 
so yes, I, I, I vote for the tag. Um, the, it will aid us in finding representation and in finding some communities. And there's people saying, oh, we can't do that. It's just going to attract trolls. And we have the LGBTQIA plus tag. It attracts trolls. Um, bad people need to stop being bad people, but that doesn't mean that we should prevent people finding communities and support and areas they can feel relaxed in. Um, I wish there was a good solution to the troll issue, um, but I don't know what that is beyond me becoming the internet's greatest tyrant and controlling all communication myself, <laughs> which it's an idea. Yeah, we, maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll work. We'll have to look into it. <laughs> the troll excuse is a cop-out. Twitch have been thinking. We're thinking about it. We're considering. They've been doing that for something like two years now. And mm -hmm. they keep saying, we'll come up with a response soon. And they don't. They're just putting it off. Unfortunately, I think, I think from their perspective, adding it will lead to more people pointing out the flaws in their system, not in the fact that trans people exist and want to find each other. I think everybody that streams on Twitch or goes on Twitch knows that know that trolls exist, which is why we have moderators and it's why we have banned lists of words and why we have link approval and we have external, you know, uh, chat management services and things like that. So to say any of that is, you know, not good enough to allow a trans person to use the trans tag is bullshit. And I think... The Through Our Eyes podcast streams, and both myself and Drakthonia are very much for a trans tag. Thank you. Very much. Honestly, the, the, um, I saw when they responded um, about the whole, uh, we, the tags are for um, identifying the um, type of stream, not about the creator. And it's also why they haven't given a disability tag. Is but there's a mental health tag. It's utter bullshit, is what it is. It is utter bullshit. Um, and it, yeah, there's there's an LGBTQ tag, there's a mental health tag. Um, if you can have like 15 different Pokemon uh, 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 trading card uh, um, tags, then you can bloody well put in a trans tag and a disability tag. And... People will cope with it the way that we always have because Twitch isn't really as protective of its creators as it should be. Um, and I will say, like, Twitch does allow creators to have control over their moderation. That is something they allow people to do. There's no hard and fast rule and people have certain allowances on what they will allow and what they won't allow. But if they're going to allow people to have that level of control, you also have to allow them to accept risk. And if people want to have a trans tag, then i mean let's face it people are going to be on the internet you're going to find trolls if you have an opinion somebody has the opposite opinion no matter what that oh i appear to have lost everyone Okay. I live. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Right. Through the power of plaid, we have returned. 
Oh dear. Right. I don't even remember where we were. Trans tag. I think we were finishing off Trans that. Trans tag. And... Yes. yes. Trans tag now, please. Honestly, I, I think that we kind of finished that. <laughs> really, we were supposed to just have gone, oh, you know, we could have just finished that. Yeah, I think I think that's actually... <laughs> so, thank you very much for listening to me ramble on for hours and hours and hours and hours about my personal business and generally me being the great big K blowhard that I am. I really appreciate it. Um, you're all wonderful and thank you for being a lovely audience and all very polite as well. You're lovely, all of you. Right. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us and uh, um, listening to our podcast recording. Um, <laughs> next one will be in two weeks. And yeah. That will be Dragon Freaky, I think. Dragon Freaky, yes. Yes. With discussions about PCSD and mental health. Yes. Um, so I hope, I hope you guys will all join us for that. Also, if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, there is a form for that. Yes. Thank you once again, Kate, for joining us. Mm. Uh, it was really, really informative and really interesting to hear your story. Um, I'm sure that we could have gone on for <laughs> much longer. Um, but yes, guys, if you if you have not gone and followed Kay, please do. And also Arthramus, who is our co-host here. Hello. <laughs> and uh, uh, I... I will take a moment to plug. I shall take a moment to plug the next Through Our Eyes stream, yeah. which is coming up at the end of this month on the uh, 27th of March. That will be from 12 p.m. GMT till 10 p.m. GMT because uh, we didn't torture ourselves with the length of it enough last time that we decided to uh, inflate it by four hours this time. Because, because yeah, why not? We're very intelligent. Uh, this one is going to be an LGBTQIA plus special, so uh, discussing topics like we have discussed here today. Kay will also be on that one. I believe Drac also will be as well, so uh, we'll all be there. Uh, it will be myself and Mouse was taken. We will be co-hosting this one for the entire 10-hour ride. But it's also a charity fundraiser for the UK charity Mermaids, which helps to assist families and, you know, youth who may be trans, who may be questioning their gender identity, who may be part of the LGBTQIA+, and for their families who may have questions or may not know how to deal with it and who may need a helping hand. So we're going to be trying to raise £2,500 for them to continue helping trans youth and LGBT youth, especially with some of the things Kay talked about earlier in terms of actual treatments being taken away from the youth in this country it's incredibly important that we we try and get some money to the people who can actually help counteract that so that'll be coming up at the end of this month all right okay well i am going to go back to my burb screen again uh, <laughs> especially as trigger, trigger is but <laughs> yes so uh that'll be a bite from uh Arthramus and Kay. Um, thanks, guys. See you Thank later. You. Bye. Bye. <laughs>